You've got to do what you got to do to get by, right? The Toho Gang explore this question with special guest Zach Logan in this film about found, family, and stolen goods. It's episode 53, Shoplifters. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Toho Yaro. I'm your host for this episode, Alex, and joined. Uh, I'm joined by, as always, Joey. Hello. And V. Hi. We're also joined today by Zach from the One Piece podcast. Hi, Alex. Hi, Zach. Good to see you. Hear you. Hey, Zach. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Thank, thanks. Good and, to be here. Yeah. And uh, this week we're talking about shoplifters. Before we get into the movie, Zach, um, would you like to give a little interest since you've never been on the show before, what your experience with Japanese film has been, uh, so on and so forth? Uh, limited, but, but curious, I guess is the way. Like, I, I'm always interested to watch more, and I think, uh, you know, the time may finally be available for me here. Um so I am I'm the one of the hosts of the One Piece podcast. Uh, Alex is one of my co-hosts. Um, been doing that for eleven years or so. Um, but uh, really happy to be on here to talk about this movie. And I, I mean, I'm I have a very limited background in Japanese cinema, but I'm very interested in it. If that makes sense, as I, as I said before. So mm-hmm. I, there's not much to say. Is is what I'm saying. Oh, that's cool. Great. Um, well, uh, we covered Choplifters. This is a fairly recent movie for us. I believe we also discussed it maybe a little bit on the podcast, but definitely a little bit um, off air because it had come out uh, what, 2018. It was in the running for Best Foreign Film uh, at the Oscars. And uh, we all saw it, I think, at the time, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I saw this in a theater. I think we yeah, all saw it kind of within the same weekend or so, and we're mm-hmm. texting about it. I definitely remember that. Yeah. Um, so uh, I guess, Zach, this is your first time watching Shoplifters, correct? It is, yeah. I, I, I got to watch it with my wife before, so I could give her thoughts as, as far as I could figure them out. Oh, yeah, cool. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is a very good significant other watch. Um, I rewatched it last night, and Bethany watched it as well. Uh, she cried several times because... Uh, that's what kind of movie this is. This is a, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this isn't exactly like fun. I mean, you know, there's points in the movie that are fun for the whole family, but, um, yeah, I will say that like with, we've, uh, we've sort of had, you know, a few guests and we had like Ed come on and do kind of a bubble era goofy, no sort of goofy, but sort of serious eighties movie. And then we just had Grant on doing a Godzilla movie and, uh, coming up soon, we're going to have, uh, David Bednar talking about like a sci-fi movie. And, uh, I, I did kind of have the thought today, like, Oh man, we really put Zach, uh, on the (laughs) ringer with, with a kind of tough one. (laughs) Yeah. So the way Erica, my wife put it was, uh, this is a movie I totally would have made you watch with me, but you would have said no to. And 
I said, look, if you just give me like, if you make me leave the room, pick a movie and I come in and I know nothing about the movie and I just sit down and I watch it, I will be more likely to enjoy it than if you scroll through and read descriptions to me. So this was like a good, it was a good challenge for me because it was like, it's not a movie, especially these days that I would be like searching out for. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I would just tell your wife, uh, look, just. Just and any movie that's Japanese, I'll watch it. Like I don't care what the con it is. It's, it's, <laughs> it's Japanese. It's, I would hope yeah. she knows that. And sometimes though, she does. She wants to watch something that's not Japanese, and I, I guess I understand that. But no, I'm with you. Uh, v, what was your experience uh, when you watched it the first time? You saw it in a theater. You mentioned yeah, I saw it in a theater. Uh, it was uh, me, my wife, and her parents. Um, her parents had seen another of Coreda's films before our little sister and liked it a lot. And we were, I can't remember what the actual situation was, but we were all just hanging out together and decided to go see a movie. And this happened to be playing. Mm. And, um, I knew a little bit about Coreda from reputation, uh, and our little sister and after the storm, but I hadn't actually seen any of his films. Uh, but seeing this in the theater, aside from the awkwardness of seeing a sex scene sitting next to your in-laws, um, this was actually, I'm really glad I got to see this in the theater. (laughs) Yeah. Luckily it's, uh, not too explicit. Um, yeah. (laughs) Joey, what was the first time uh, for you? Like, yeah, I, I saw it um, with my girlfriend, Melissa, and um, I think this is one of those, like, uh, I live um, about an hour or two outside of Atlanta, and a lot of times I have to go into Atlanta in order to see uh, foreign films and art films and things like that. Um, and so I definitely think this was an instance where we had to go to Atlanta for it. So I definitely uh, um, remember, like, going and traveling to see it and then... Uh, both discussing it on the road home and also um, texting with you you all and and being like, I don't know, kind of feeling like this feels like a really good candidate for something to cover on the podcast, but it's pretty heavy. And so I'm not feeling like jumping out of my seat that I want to see it again, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had seen this, uh, at an art house theater in Baltimore with, uh, my best friend and his girlfriend. And, uh, I remember distinctly that Bethany, my girlfriend, uh, being very, uh, cross that I, uh, that I didn't see it with her. Um, but I rectified that and, um, uh, well, let's talk about the movie. Um, so shoplifters is a movie from 2018. It's directed by, uh, by the aforementioned, uh, by the Hirokazu Koreeda. And, um, Koreeda is, a has a film career spanning about 30 years. Uh, so I would call him, um, a, a pretty compen- a contemporary, uh, Japanese mm-hmm. director. And, um, uh, he tends to use a lot of the same actors in a lot of his films. Uh, Lily Frankie and Kieran Kiki, of course, who are both in this film, as well as uh, uh, Toho alum uh, Susumu Charajima and uh, Tadanobu Sano. Um, mm-hmm. And and of course, uh, we'll we'll get to we'll talk about him very briefly. But uh, Akira Emoto is, uh, is has mm-hmm. appeared in more than one of his films as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, list of. Uh, past movies he's done um our little sister uh Evie had mentioned uh, the third murder uh the truth had, which had come out after um 
uh, shoplifters still walking. Uh, Airdal, uh, Maborosi, Afterlife, nobody knows. And uh, his latest film, uh, which uh, I don't think has seen release quite yet, it's called Cookie and Cream the Movie. Um, hmm. <laughs> which sounds delicious. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> As for the rest of this cast, um, the uh, it's a I would say it's a pretty it's a really great cast. They 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 work really well together. Really great ensemble. Uh, Osama Shibata, uh, the the father figure, is Lily Frankie, and he's uh, he's been in uh, apparently forty films, more than forty films since two thousand one. So, uh, super contemporary Japanese actor. Um, you might recognize his voice. Um, uh, he was in. Uh, he's uh, Yakushubo in The Boy and the Beast, which is uh, one of my favorite uh, uh, Hosoda mm-hmm. films. And uh, he was also in uh, Our Little Sister as well. Uh, do Do you mind if I butt in? Because I'm just looking please, at yeah. his. Yeah, I'm just looking mm-hmm. at his list, and he plays Sasaki in Bakuman. <laughs> I have not watched Bakuman. Oh, that's but interesting. Have had the. Pl- but I've had the pleasure. We've we've interviewed Sasaki on the show before, um, so that's <laughs> really interesting. Oh, uh, that's super funny. Yeah. Well, well, it's the Bakuman, uh, the live action film, not the uh, not the anime. Oh, even even crazier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's yeah, that's it's it's super funny. Um. So uh, the uh, next person on my list is Sakura Ando. Sakura Ando as a uh, Nobio Shibata. Um. Really. Uh. Another like really like uh, another contemporary film actor. She's been doing films since 2008. A lot of TV mm-hmm. films uh, or, or TV roles as well. Um, <clears throat> but she's a uh, no, she's notably won um, a bunch of uh, best supporting actress awards um, and best actress awards uh, throughout her career, um, including including several for Shoplifters. Uh, I think her best known role is probably in Love Exposure, which I still have not seen because I'm wary of that film by reputation. But I think Joey has. Yeah. Yeah. That's one that like I feel like would be interesting to cover on the podcast. <clears throat> it is four hours long and grueling uh, and she's an incredible villain. Uh, but yeah, she, she's I mean, she's incredible in this, too. I, I love Sakura Ando. I've also seen her in a movie called uh, Hundred Yid in Love about her becoming a boxer. Um, that's also kind of rough, uh, but she's has a kind of amazing transformation in that from becoming kind of just like a schlubby depressed person to super in shape, uh, motivated boxing (laughs) person. Um, it's it's Um, another, there you go. I was going to say another fun fact about Sakura Ando is her, uh, father-in-law is Akira Moto. I was going to say she that. She is yep. married to his son. <laughs> oh, yep, that's, that's interesting. I didn't know super, that. Yeah, super fun fact. Uh, so her father-in-law is in this movie as well. Uh, <laughs> um, Aki is played by uh, Mayu uh, Matsuoka, um, who has been in such films as uh, the Kirishima thing, A Silent Voice, uh, the, that, uh, the, uh, the anime, um, the anime film that came out a few years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. as well as, um, the, uh, well, she plays a character named Manoa Bellucci, not to be confused with Monica Bellucci and, uh, <laughs> the new Digimon adventure, uh, which I think is kind of a fun, mm. <laughs> a fun little fact too, but she was in the GTO, uh, television series, uh, worth noting. Um, and she has also, uh, won, uh, several awards, but, and nominated for a lot as well 
for uh, her, her parts in many films and, and, and uh, TV works. Um, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, Toho Yara alum Kieran Kiki, who, uh, mm-hmm. honestly, if you need a, a really awesome old lady to put in your movie, um, she was the one. Uh, and she's been in, uh, God, so many movies. We've covered her a bunch of times already. Um, but she's been doing work since the sixties. And, uh, I think this was her last movie. She filmed like four movies, the, uh, around the same time. Yeah. So I, I think like, uh, I don't know if this came out posthumously, but I think two or three of them did. She was she was doing an incredible amount of work at the end of her life. Yeah, it, it, she's like kind of like Christopher Lee. She's like the uh, the <laughs> Japanese female Christopher Lee in that in that regard. <laughs> uh, but of course, um, just for w- worth mentioning, she was uh, in the movies that we covered: uh, Sweet Bean and Kamikaze Girls. Um, the uh, the character of Shota. The, the, the little boy is played by uh, Kari Joe. I don't have any other info on him. And Miyu Sasaki at, as, uh, as Lin or, or Yuri or Juri, depending on what part of the movie you're watching. Mm-hmm. Um, both both uh, do incredible work in this film and, and they just have to be mentioned. Um, of course, uh, the, the eminable uh, Akira Moto is in this as well, as is uh, Toho Yaro alumni uh, Kengo Kora. Uh, you'll notice mm-hmm. him as the uh, social worker. Um, it's really hard to. It, it, I had to uh, digitally remove his eyebrows using my memory to to see. <laughs> but uh, yes, of course, he played Goro in Fish Story. Um, he was also in Shin Godzilla. Yep, yep. <clears throat> so worth always always worth noting when he shows up. Um, so we'll get right into it. Brief synopsis. Um, uh, on their way from. Uh, there's a family of, um, uh, I would say, uh, so, so the title of the movie is, um, is called shoplifters over here, but, uh, the, the literal title is Manbiki Kazoku, which, uh, directly translate to shop shoplifting family, which I think is a much more, uh, <laughs> it, it, uh-huh. it, it describes this group of, uh, group of characters pretty well. So, uh, a, a, um, a group of, of people who live in poverty, um, you know, they come across a, uh, well, the father and the son, I'm using quotes here, come across a little girl on their way back from a grocery run. And by grocery run, I mean they steal groceries. Um, and they decide to take her home and feed her because she looked hungry. Uh, and um, on their way to take her back home, uh, they overhear her parents fighting about her, saying uh, things in, in regards to, you know, wishing that, you know, they never had her and so on and so mm-hmm. forth. So they take it upon themselves to take care of the little girl who, um, who is, uh, named Yuri. But, uh, we find out, um, on broadcast news when a missing persons report is finally filed that her name is Juri. And this is, um, and she's been missing for two months at that point. Um, so the family gets to know, uh, Lian, as they call as they call her, and she becomes a part of their family. And over the course of time, we find out that uh, that this family is is more of a uh, a group of people who decided to become a family after um, after finding each other. Mm-hmm. 
So, um, the, uh, uh, of course, the all the while, I guess I should probably give a rundown of every character. Um, uh, so Osamu, uh, he is a construction worker who um, breaks his leg. He can't, uh, so he can't work anymore. Can't even get a workers' comp. Um, Nobioa's wife works for uh, a laundry service. Aki works at a hostess club. Um, Shoda uh, is the is the younger boy who doesn't go to school, but he um, he is taught to shoplift. And Hatsue uh, is the is the matriarch of the family, who owns the uh, home in which they stay, and also su- supports the group with um, her late husband's pension. Uh, it's also worth noting that she occasionally makes money by going to uh, the the home of the family of her husband's mistress uh right <laughs> to to get sympathy money um uh, that's uh, yeah that that was confusing to me for some reason but yeah yeah no, which are aki's parents yes which that are was aki's definitely parents. confusing to me the first time i saw it, it it's mm-hmm. obscure okay, because it's supposed to be kind of like there's a lot of kind of mystery and unfurling right. what's actually going on in this movie so yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah we we both had uh we were both confused about that element specifically so yeah go ahead sorry yeah uh so um uh eventually <laughs> Hatsue dies uh they bury her body under the house uh saying i can't believe we buried another one um in the meantime uh shoda takes uh lin with with him to shoplift uh, it, it looks as is it looks as if she is about to be caught. So he basically takes the rap for her, um, gets chased down the street, breaks his leg. And, uh, when, um, when Osamu and, and Nobu, Nobu are headed to the hospital, uh, they assess the situation and decide it's probably better that they leave, uh, showed it behind, but, um, all the while they, um, they are caught by the police and the remainder of the movie is a series of heartbreaking uh, interviews with each member of the family uh, regarding uh, the reason that they uh, kept Lynn under their care and falling on the sword for each other. And uh, Lynn of course is taken back to her, um, her actual parents and Shoda is sent to a uh, foster facility. Um, that's essentially the that's essentially yeah. the synopsis. It, it, it's kind of a bummer, um, but let's uh, now this is open for discussion. We can talk about the movie uh, in and of itself. If you haven't seen the movie, if you're listening to this, uh, check it out. It's on Hulu. It's very very easy to watch. Um, and by easy to watch, I mean you can. It's easily accessible. <laughs> it's, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's also rentable outside of Hulu if you don't want to use Hulu. Um, so yeah, it, it's available for folks. Yeah. So, uh, Joey, what do you think of the movie Shoplifters? Yeah, it's it's a good one. It's it's a it's a hard one, but a good one. Um, you know, it's obviously like a big part of it is built around this idea of found family, and also the lengths that people will go to survive in in poverty. Um, and you know, I, I think those are really interesting, but I, I also like that it's very, those are themes I can definitely get behind, but it's very firmly pan, like planted in reality. So it also 
like shows you that there are consequences for actions, uh, especially actions kind of outside of um, societal norms, but also outside of what might be healthy in like raising children and stuff like that. Um, so I, I really like that. I like that there's this sort of um, the, like nothing's very cut and dry. Like some of the actions of the family members is uh, built around kind of ideals. Like he's he's rescuing that child uh, because her she's being abused at home. She has scars on her body and stuff like that. But not everything that they do is altruistic. You, you definitely see a lot of like manipulating people for money and things like that. Um, the, the, the part I have a little bit of trouble with is the last like half hour or so. It doesn't quite like gel with the rest of the movie, uh, in a weird way. Yeah. Like, um, it just feels very separate. Like I think the, the presence of the media and those, those police interrogations, like you were mentioning, like, where it's everyone being interviewed about what they're doing. Like it suddenly switches and feels almost more like a documentary or something, uh, which is interesting. I'm not completely against it, but it, it does like kind of like feel different. And, um, and also along those lines, uh, Kengo Cora that you're talking about from fish story as the like detective or social worker or whatever he is, he, I think is maybe a little too handsome for this movie. <laughs> like <laughs> he, 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 he just looks like a movie star and he looks like he's like come in off of a police procedural, uh, whereas everything else feels very like naturalistic and, and real. Like he kind of sticks out to me, uh, in some ways, but I don't know. I, yeah, I, I love this movie though as a whole. And like, I, you know, kind of put off uh, seeing it again because it is a sort of tough one. But I think it does really you get it benefits having uh, multiple viewings because once you kind of know it's up, uh, it's interesting to to revisit it and see how everyone's acting and what it really means and stuff. Yeah. Uh, v. Yeah, I really love the way this unfolds because it starts out like, yeah, you see this family and once things start seeming not quite right and you're trying to piece together everyone's actual relationships and like who's who whose son is Shota uh, because Osamu wants him to call him dad and he won't do it. Mm -hmm. Um, Then later on, it's clear that Nobuo isn't actually his mom. And just all these pieces of like this, this really doesn't fit together properly. And then, yeah, the fully coming together is like, this is all with the exception of a, a, a loose relation between Aki and Kieran and Hatsue. There's, there's no actual bonds between these people at all Mm -hmm. of family. So it is an interesting kind of examination of found family, but then also the, the kind of like the way those bonds will break. Like when, when Shota gets caught and they leave him at the hospital, the family is trying to escape from the house before police discover what's going on mm-hmm. and get caught in, in the process. And they were just going to, abandoned Shota to the authorities and it's not because they like they clearly still love and care about Shota but like you said there are some things like your personal survival supersedes and they they rationalize it to themselves like Shota will be fed well at the hospital 
the authorities are going to take care of him. But it, in the moment, it also feels heartless for them to just give up on that bond. Yeah. Um, even in the interview part, like the dad is like blaming, uh, Sakurando's the mom character, you yeah. know, uh, cause it's just like, there's a certain point where it's just kind of like, well, I got to look out for number one. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, as in the moment that's heartbreaking and, and you really question like their actual loyalties to each other. And later on you realize that that's kind of premeditated. So Nobio gets the blame for yeah. bearing the grandmother because she'll get a lighter prison sentence. <clears throat> but just like this whole film is a roller coaster and you talk about the tone change to, to a more documentary style in the last third of the movie. Um, which that that's actually, I think the thing I like best about the film is, is that tone shift because we get to, to look at how like society looks at these things from the outside, which we've, we've seen this family together. We've seen how happy they are uh, in their moments together, how much they care for each other. And then from the outside, it's just this family of criminals hmm. and they manufacture the story of like, Oh, jury. She was so happy to, to be back and fell asleep immediately. And she ate her favorite fruit food, which was I'm a rice. And like all of that's completely fabricated. Yeah. But it's just a story for the media. And then seeing the way that the, the police officers try to break down each individual family member is just brutal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and, but, and, and even though they're not entirely truthful in those moments, like we get a lot of insight into like who they are that we had glimpses of previously, but hadn't really examined because they weren't in such a vulnerable place away from the other family members. So like, I, I really love this. I, it's, I don't think it's as much an examination of the class stuff as Korea wanted it to be. Like obviously the the shoplifting and living on the margins is a thematic component, but like it never really feels to me that this family is really like living that rough. Mm. They seem to there's there's no like sense of danger or privation. Like they the like uh Shota's not going to school and there's obviously issues, but they're getting by okay, which helps make the beginning of the film feel more like happy when they're all together. Yeah. One of the things that Bethany said when we were watching this was, wow, they're, they're living better than the, than the family in uh, parasite. Uh, that's, you know, yeah, uh, yeah I was going to bring up parasite because I remember mm -hmm. when parasite came out, I had seen this the previous year and been kind of like, wow, these are really great kind of like companion pieces. These two Asian films that came out within a year of each other. And like, and really dive into like uh, extreme poverty families and stuff like that. And, um, you know, I think it's just that I was so struck by um, the, the depiction of uh, people, uh, kind of poorer people in this movie that it kind of stuck with me uh, more. Cause then when I watched it this time, I was like, Oh, that's, it's really not about that as much as it is in, in parasite, for example. Yeah. That was something that I was thinking about this movie a lot when I watched parasite, 
but then rewatching this, I was like, yeah, that like you, I was like this, that's less of a significant factor in this film. Um, but yeah, that, that last bit where everything is falling apart, just like is so emotionally crushing and the, the small kind of like redemptions and reconnections we get after that. Um, I feel like mean a lot, even though they're so subtle. Yeah. Uh, Zach, what did you think of the movie Shoplifters? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I definitely echo everything uh, that's been said. It's, I, I mean, look, it is definitely a tough movie, as you guys um, have mentioned. I thought it did a really, you know, from my point of view, at least, I think it did a very good job at showing that kind of destitution, especially when you don't really th- associate... I don't really associate that with kind of Japan in general, since mm-hmm. that's aside. I think they do a very good job hiding. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, every country um, has extreme poverty and poverty. Um, so I, I thought that was a, a really interesting aspect. And I think it's even less that it's destitution and, and living on the margins more as to they they live off of others and and kind of going into the psyche of, OK, so what how do they convince themselves that this is okay why don't they take the next right action and instead often take the next wrong action mm-hmm. and i think that's what made shota specifically such an interesting character in that you could see him starting to process you know throughout the movie he's the one who kind of grows and figures out that um oh maybe this isn't okay Maybe this 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 thing that we're doing has repercussions to other people, too, mm-hmm. um, which is, I think, what leads to a lot of his actions in the movie. But, um, I, yeah, I, I I don't really know. I, I so I, I, I love the the general like lived inness of this movie and of the family and even of the uncomfortability of their like little apartment. Yeah. Um, like really struck me in, in the realism of it. Um, I think we kind of mentioned and the, and the fact that the whole movie I'm waiting for the shoe to drop and it does drop. Um, I, I think actually speaks to, you know, quality. Um, my, my wife, Erica did say that like this movie could have ended like 20 minutes ago when we were getting to the very end. (laughs) And I definitely also get that. Um, like that, you know, I, I I think it's a purposeful decision though, that the director and then the writer is making like to live in each moment so thoroughly, um, like not to rush it from, okay, we're getting from point A to point B to point C. Um, like you're feeling like, oh, it was February, then it was in the summer. And, you know, I, I like I like that aspect of it. I, I mean, I, I understand also the her perspective there. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah, I, th- I think I don't know if those are all over the place, but I think those are my general thoughts. No, um, no I mean, th- that's the thing. Like the movie is sort of kind of a roller coaster. There's a lot of highs and a lot of lows. Um, yeah. And I. <clears throat> oh, you're going to say something? Yeah. Uh, I was going to say that I feel like you're definitely right that the the kind of moral reckoning of Shota is the kind of fulcrum on which the movie rests because it's hmm. when Asamu takes him to bust out windows and cars yeah, that yeah. he is like, oh, this 
this this isn't stuff in a store that quote nobody nobody doesn't belong to anybody yet you're stealing from people now and i think i think that, that actor who uh, lily frankie mm-hmm. it, like did such a good job in that scene in particular like you you really see that moment from Shota's perspective where he's like giddy. The Lily Frankie's character is giddy. And like uh, he did, you know, and, and and yet you see the patheticness of the moment, like yeah. the, the low. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, no, de- definitely well acted, but it just that moment, that realization, which then leads him to be like, you weren't trying to rescue me from the car. You were trying to steal from it and just happened mm-hmm. to find me. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like that's the moment that he decides that it's okay. If all of this falls apart. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then that moment in the store where he gets caught is kind of less about protecting his sister from getting caught and more uh, about protecting her from becoming part yeah. of this whole life. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, he even all, says, gets, right. Like, like, yeah, I, by the way, I got caught on purpose. Like that's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, there's that heartbreaking scene when they're interviewing the father of like, did the boy go to school? Why did you teach him to shoplift? And Osama is just like, it's the only thing that I knew how to teach. Mm, yeah. And just like the, the cyclical nature of poverty and the fact that these that that Shota in the situation had no choice of any other kind of path to take. I I, I do want to have one more thing on that note. Um, it's I f- I feel like it's very rare in fiction in general to be able to portray characters that are so in the middle. You know that there's obviously bad things they're doing and obviously good things they're doing, and mm-hmm. that you could understand both at the same time. Um, and I think this movie does like an exceptional job at that. It's that you could understand that they are doing bad things, but you could also understand the system and the motivation, uh, behind them yeah, and, and totally. kind of what you're describing. The closest thing I could think of is the wire, uh, where you have that, um, cyclical nature of poverty and crime. And how do you get out of that system? Yeah. Um, and you can't pull yourself out of that system. You need you need help. And if there's, how are you going to even find that if the, if society isn't providing that, which it isn't, um, it's, it's an interesting and, and, and really, uh, cool might not be the right word, but it's, it's, a, <laughs> it needs to, it, it's like a, it's like a question. I think we as a society have to ask a lot more often and, and are afraid to, because it's heavy, uh, like this movie is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that resolution with, um, you know, lean jury going back to her family is like not perfect. Um, that yeah, there's kind of interesting way that it resolves with the two kids where you feel like Shota is on a good path. Um, you know, who knows, but he seems to have a good head on his shoulders and he's kind of out of this, um, and into sort of, a um, you know, orphanage type system, which hopefully will work out for him. But, uh, jury, you're just kind of like, I don't know mm. if things are going to work out for her. Like, where does she go from here? You know? Yeah. I, I do yeah. recall, um, uh, Osamu saying earlier, uh, him and Nobu are having a conversation, you know, it's, uh, uh, people with that kind of upbringing end up becoming like us. Uh, earlier today we were on a walk and Bethany was like, so what do you think became of a jury? I'm like, well, 
ultimately, I don't think that's the point of the movie. And she's like, yeah, but like, what do you think? And I'm like, well, <laughs> judging by the uh, clues presented to us in the movie, she probably, you know, doesn't, uh, I mean, we would hope that she has a better, uh, better life, but um, you know, it, it, it's, it pains me to say that she probably might, uh, you know, turn out to be a delinquent or a bad apple. But, but on the other hand, she got a taste of what real love was and that's going to mm-hmm. be with her. Like, I think it's interesting that when we first see jury, she's outside sort of waiting and looking and she, that's where we find her again at the end of the movie. It's sad. Like she's waiting for somebody yeah. else to come save her. But she is mm-hmm. specifically like now looking over the fence and kind of looking out into the world rather than being just stuck inside the fence. So like I could see an optimistic reading there where it's like she is, you know, knows that there's something better out there. Yeah. But, uh, I, I, who knows? I mean, I would <laughs> even add that like, look, obviously not the best situation that she answers. So uh, ends up in. Um, not saying that the other situation is even ideal either. It's just better. Mm-hmm. Um, but also at the same time, you know, I think it does show that you could get beyond abuse and learn from it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I don't mean like learn from it as, as in a lesson, but like, I, you know, I, I know a lot of people who have had, you know, childhoods that have been traumatic or abusive and they, you know, are able to take those painful lessons of their childhood um, and and build it into, you know, the the good and good characters that they become. I don't think that, you know, just because Lean is um, in a bad situation, she'll necessarily become a, you know, delinquent or let that completely absorb her, especially since she found this love. Mm-hmm. Um I think the fact that she was able to see an outside world beyond what she's in, and I guess it's the same with Shota too, is, is once he sees that, oh, I, I shouldn't be stealing. And I, I, I forgot what the uh, other thing that, oh, about school being just for people who can't learn at home or whatever the that line is, mm-hmm. that they learn that, oh, if there's something out there for me to strive for and, 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 and better myself and, my, and the people around me, I could get beyond those things. Um, and I, yeah, I, it, it is definitely a sad ending for her. And obviously, you know, you don't want her to continue suffering in that situation, but at the same time, you know, suffering in the present could become, you know, hopefully something that you could work beyond right. hopefully in the future. Yeah. Ultimately, my read is also optimistic just because of what Alex said, where she is like actively scanning the horizon, like yeah. looking for that next connection she can make with somebody who will care about her because she she tries to reconnect with her mom and she gets so discouraged. And that's when she she goes out and starts looking. So I feel like she 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 took the good things to heart about found family and that like find people who who will care about you. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, I guess that's really the ethos of the movie. You know, that's, I mean, Karen Kiki is great, uh, you know, just as an actress, but she's like the heart and soul of that movie. And she's the one who says, you know, like, well, we get, you know, the best kind of families are the ones that you get to choose. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, the whole blood is thicker than water thing. You know, I, I, uh-huh. I enjoy seeing that being continually disproven in media. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's healthy. Um, and I'd like to think that's why you brought me on for this. Cause that's kind of the theme <laughs> of one piece too. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, one thing that I was actually like kind of curious about, um, well, well, the thing about the movie is that there are these reveals over the course of the movie, and I do think that largely they work, but sometimes I don't think they do. Um, mm. The stuff with Aki I thought was interesting. Uh, I have yet to, like, I'm thinking on it still, and I have yet to figure it out. And Bethany even asked me today, like, what was the point of having that scene with Mr. Four um, uh, in the host hostess club? And I was, and I, I, I took it to mean that, you know, this is her, like she was off the clock when she was, you know, uh, uh, hugging him and holding him. And it was her shot at, um, you know, finding some, you know, some sort of humanity outside of, you know, this make this ramshackle family that she's living in. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, I just think it is sort of an example of how like, um, the situation that they, are in now with this like family who sort of cares for each other, but sort of doesn't um, like, I think it's an example of her perspective on what love and connections is, is kind of messed up uh, mm. right now. And I don't know, but she, but then it does kind of give you the question of like, are they forming, is she forming an actual bond with this guy? Cause they're, you know, he cries on her leg and, um, you know, there, there's definitely a lot of weight to that moment where they hug. Um, yeah, I, I get confused a little bit about, I don't know if it's ever completely explained if she's not really the, uh, blood related to the grandmother, like why it was that she left and decided to live with her. I don't, was that explained? So yeah, I, that confused me. The other, yeah. the other thing that that was interesting was that when you go and see her family, um, at that point you mm-hmm. don't know it's her family, but um, she tells uh, Aki tells uh, Lynn earlier that I have a I have a second name too. It's uh, Sayaka, and that's mm-hmm. the name of her sister mm-hmm. uh, that we come to find out. And I I'm not sure if that mean what that means exactly. There, there's a part in where she's talking to the grandmother where she also says like that she took her sister's name uh, as her like performer name and th- they kind of treat it as a joke like you scoundrel <laughs> dragging your sister's name through the mud type oh, thing. Right. So who yeah, knows? That's she, right. Yeah. She might uh, have just sort of had a kind of rocky uh, life at home and kept kind of seeing this uh other kinder older lady stopping by and grifting her parents and and (laughs) connected with her instead or something i don't know Mm -hmm. yeah 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 the uh the other thing that i thought is uh, that i thought was interesting too is so the reveal that like the one unanswered question that you sort of have at the end that is kind of answered but not really and not like it matters at this point in the movie anyway but you know you kind of want to know is how they ended up uh, with Hatsue anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it, Hatsue and Aki's relationship makes sense. 
the reason that Shota is with Nobio and Osamu makes sense, but how did those two forces come together? I mean, we've sort of found out that, you know, after, after, I mean, after this whole mistress situation, she had nowhere to go, I guess, and they somehow found her, but I guess I, it's also inferred that, uh, Osamu used to own a bar and, uh, yeah. yeah. So, so the, the big, the big reveal, I guess, is that Nobuo, uh, had a tryst with Osamu and they, uh, and ended up killing her husband. Um, and they both worked together to cover it up. Uh, there's, I feel like there's some missing puzzle pieces there between that and how they, they came to be living with Hatsue. They didn't cover it up. I think it's pretty, it, it makes it seem like, uh, Osamu was convicted, but it was ruled self-defense. Right, 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 um, right, right. I right, guess right. He, the husband found them, uh, uh, in bed together or something and there's it the, just there's happened a, in the moment. Yeah. It's like a heat of passion, uh, killing, I think yeah. it's called so, in the United States. <laughs> Yeah, so it seems like he went to prison, but on a very light sentence, and they decided to stay together. Um, the The rapport that Nobu, Nobuo and Hatsue have together makes it feel like Nobuo ran across Hatsue at some point. I don't know if she was just like doing grifts or they briefly worked together somewhere. Um, but they seem to have the kind of rapport where like, and, and the way Nobuo talks about her later where, where the police officer tells her, why did you throw her away? And Nobuo goes into this long speech of like, I didn't throw her away. Somebody else threw her away. I found her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so I, the, I, I don't, it's never explained how they met, but I think that the, the reason they all came to live in Hatsue's house is because Nobuo made that connection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Favorite parts, favorite parts of the movie. This is where we get to sort of bring the conversation to a little, a little lighter place, maybe, uh, depending on <laughs> <laughs> what y'all thought. Um, uh, I have a few in the can, so I'll let any of you go first. Um, actually, Zach, why don't we start with you? Oh, okay. Um, okay, so I think the, for some reason, like, at, my my uh, off the beaten track uh, favorite scenes were the two where it was uh, Osamu and Shota uh, playing in that yard area, uh-huh. I don't know, like near the car. Um, for some reason, struck me a lot. Um, just as like kind of a set piece. Like I don't know what else to I don't know what exactly to call that, but like those I thought were like. Um, nice moments that uh it kind of exemplified the the positives in in their relationship uh both uh like kind of in a book ending way um but i think the most powerful moments um what were the one where um they were stealing was that from uh yoritsugu I, i forget which character was the one who owned the um the convenience store that they stole from consistently yeah or something right yeah 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 yeah, uh, when the old man finds out that they, you know, knew that they were stealing the whole time and it kind of hits Shota there, uh, for some reason affected me, um, kind of realizing that, you know, he was just taking pity on them that, that whole time yeah. is, is how I interpreted that. Um, 
I thought that was a really good scene. Um, and that's and really good because it's very like it's instrumental in, in him, his final decision to not let her yeah. get caught uh, later, too. So that's yeah, that's a really big moment. In the movie. Yeah, I, I I I like it for how understated it is. Um, and I don't know. I, I, and any old men in movies usually get me for some reason. <laughs> I love how he's before. just like he, he gives them those like yeah juice things and it's just like don't make her do it and then does yeah. the little hand signal thing just to be like i know what's going on just don't 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 get her into it i that was like a subversion of expectations for that character um and i, I really like that he wasn't just like the old man being fooled he knew everything that was going mm-hmm. on and also was trying to save this girl from having falling into the same place and it hits him later like he grows from that moment mm-hmm. um and he tries to confront them about that moment i like that the other one um was when i i think most scenes with just the two siblings so shota and lynn were great um i mean there was the i think the one where um oh god now i'm trying to remember well, here's Zach. Why while you're remembering, why don't we move on? Alex, to, please. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> we try to do. Sorry, we try to do only one per uh, for the first go oh, around. Okay. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. No, 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 no. It's okay. I can talk no, and talk. no, no, no. I, I'm really glad that you're uh, that you've got a couple. Yeah, of there's kids. a lot to to yeah. a lot of good yeah. stuff in in these. <laughs> yeah. In that case, uh, Joey, uh, what was your favorite um, part? Hmm. Yeah. You know, I think the part that hit me the most emotionally is this part where um, where Nobio is burning um, Lynn's clothes and talking to her and telling her, what is she saying to her? She's saying, like, when people say you're bad, it's not because you're bad. It's, you know, they're the bad ones mm-hmm. or something like that. And, and it's just a. Uh, it's just where they're, I think that might be after they realized that she was being like abused really bad. And it's just like, uh, seeing that kindness and seeing Lynn, like not even <laughs> know that that's something that a mother can give. And then, and feeling that bond between them was, uh, really kind of gives, gave me a big chill and, and, uh, some tears for sure. <laughs> yeah. They're, uh, Nobio's relationship with Len is neat. That first scene that she's in, she's like, "No, we're not a, we're we're not a foster home." But then once they realize that she's got like marks on, of abuse on her, you can see Nobio's like face change mm-hmm. and go slack a little, and like you can tell that's that's weighing heavily on her. Mm-hmm. Uh, the what was your favorite part of the movie? My favorite part's a big downer part. It is actually the. Um, the interrogation scene when with Nobio mm. when the the uh, detective is pressing her of like, why did you kidnap these kids? Is it because you can't have kids? Mm. And just like her, her emotions in that scene, just like quietly breaking down, and the cruelty of the detective saying, "What?" Or Nobio says, "You." just because you have give birth doesn't make you a mother. And the, hmm. the detective says something like, um, you can't be a mother until you do, which is just like gross and shitty. And hmm. yeah, just watching her break down in that moment and then pressing of like, what did you make them 
what did you have them call you? And she, she never had them call her mom or mommy or anything, but like you can tell her, you can just see her breaking down and then just be like, just wonder aloud, like, what if, yeah, what if I done that? And it's like the, the, the scene that got me closest to crying in the movie. Yeah. That scene, um, has a lot of emotion behind it. And, uh, Ando is such a good actress when just in general, but she doesn't even need to say anything. Um, that entire scene, she's rubbing her face for like a good minute. And it's just like, it's a masterclass in in showing that telling, like it's amazing. Um, yeah, I actually, that was one of the scenes that I had starred in my, in my notes. And, And like, if, uh, like, yeah, I think that's one of my favorites too. Um, so, I'm surprised nobody mentioned the beach scene, which I think is the, you know, the uh, high point of happiness in the movie. Um, mm. It's it's a dream, right? It's a dream that they can realize for one day that they're all uh, all all related. They're all a family. They're all having a really good time outside of their home, outside of their life on the beach, out in the sun. Uh, it's a memory that, that Lynn cherishes. She draws a picture. They go shopping for swimsuits for her. You know, it's a, this is the, this is what everything has amounted to before everything starts tumbling down. Um, I really, really love it. Uh, it's also, Kieran Kiki has these really subtle, these really subtle moves, uh, where she just sort of pours sand on her, on her, uh, on her age spots, mm-hmm. like little stuff like that, I think is, uh, like those are really great details. And, um, it, it makes this more than just like, it, it roots it in reality a little bit. And not that, you know, the subject matter, of course, isn't rooted in reality. Like, I think this is, it's very interesting that uh, this is a pretty universal movie in terms of domestic abuse, what mm-hmm. family actually means, that kind of thing. But that beach day, I really, I really enjoyed that. And the, um, where uh, Lynn and Shota go get cicadas. I think that's a very simple, uh, oh, but, yeah. <laughs> but very, very sweet scene. Uh, she's calling yeah. him brother and he, he, she's running around and she's happy and they're both having fun. Uh, and then they come home, <laughs> they come home, uh, post coitus, uh, when, yes. And, uh, I love when they come in from the rain and to, to distract them. He's like, Oh boy, it's raining. It sure is raining. (laughs) (laughs) Like covering their whole bodies in towels or whatever. So Uh uh, they can get dressed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Uh, Did anybody else have any notable scenes they wanted to talk about? Uh, Cause I definitely have a couple. I have at least one more. Um, Something that I wanted to talk about or two things I wanted to talk about that we haven't really specifically called out is these kid actors are incredible. Yes. They're so good. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was saving um, that. Discuss- yeah, <laughs> uh, 
but the second thing I want to talk about is how the movie looks. Um, the, the, it's usually very still shots and it's interesting because we get a lot of scenes that are kind of from Shota's perspective. Uh, but a lot of them are these weird, almost voyeuristic, uh, views where we're looking at people kind of in the middle distance and we have uh, out of focus objects interpolated between us and the action going on in front of us where it's it's just this weird kind of voyeuristic look at that I think makes it feel more like we're witnessing real people until you get to the back third of the movie when it's these like as Joey said very documentary style like flat like looking dead on at a person staring at the camera. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the other scene I kind of wanted to talk about, I love how it's shot too, is where they're listening to the fireworks outside and there's this oh, really yeah. great mm. shot. Yeah. This overhead shot, um, where you see them between the trees and the, uh, and the awning. And, uh, it's, it's really simple. But it's those moments that these really quiet moments that I, I happen to like the most. Um, it, it, if you've listened to the show, it's no secret that I like when uh, there are there are movies that center around a family uh, getting like a big family getting together and, and uh, having having a good time. So naturally, this was uh, one of my favorites. But the way it's shot is just. It just it makes so much sense. You can't see the fireworks, so what do you? What are we going to do? We're going to see the family, you know. Like it's uh, from yeah, from, I think from so the fireworks perspective. <laughs> yeah, and they can't see the fireworks, which is I, that's the thing that I love about that scene. Um, you know, as much as we are saying that it isn't as much about uh, class and poverty as as we had kind of remembered it to be, it still is somewhat. And I think that, that that's a kind of perfect metaphor for them trying to make the best out of their situation as they're like, we can't see the fireworks, but we can hear them. And they're like looking up into the sky and really taking it in and still enjoying it, even though they can't uh, get the full experience that one would want to get from the fireworks. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I think those, I think those small moments and, and the fact that every little thing he does, um, it has importance to it, even when they are small and seem insignificant, um, like I, I love the stuff, uh, you know, just going through it again. Um, the stuff with the Ramune marble, um, oh, yeah. and yeah, him with both him with the Ramune and his mom being ridiculous. Um, and also then with his sister, um, and I think she at the end looks at a marble again. And it's, you know, mm-hmm. saying how it looked like the universe in there, I thought was a really touching moment uh and in that other scene i was talking about um before in the alleyway where he's telling that story about all the little fish and the and the big tuna yeah, yeah. swimmy um swimmy swimmy um <laughs> the story of swimmy um i i thought i thought that was i mean obviously not like super on the nose where it was like oh i get it but like i i, I liked how that was done it's like you know together the, it, it it like kind of works, but also it's kind of an illusion 
uh, the whole thing mm-hmm. that it's just a bunch of small fish and it's going to get broken up and the tuna could eat them at any moment. Um, kind of shows like the fragility and the um, tenuousness of like this kind of family, um, which was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, next up, uh, shall we dance? Uh, this is the category in in regards to uh, if the, if you could make this uh, for, if you could remake this for a Western audience, um, what would it be like? Who would you cast? Um, so on and so forth. If anybody would like to lead the discussion, um, I mean, I I honestly think that this is. A, a very like I said earlier, I think the themes in this movie are incredibly universal, and uh, we have a lot of problems like this in our country. Oh yeah, like uh, mm. an a, a humongous amount. And um, it's really funny that you mentioned the Wire, Zach, because the fourth season of the Wire is basically this movie, kind of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I, I, you know, yeah. I was basically just thinking, yeah, it seems very easily translatable. Um, <laughs> I was thinking, though, that um, <laughs> the prison sentences and stuff seemed uh, light compared to what the they might be <laughs> here. But um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, this, uh, yeah, I, I feel like it would translate to a Western movie pretty easily. Yeah, I hadn't given any any specific thoughts to casting or anything. My main thought when transferring this to a Western movie would be that the ending where Shota ends up in the foster system would be a far more grim ending for him than Mm. I presume the Japanese foster system is because we uh, uh, America has a very unfortunately dysfunctional and poorly funded, poorly paid attention to foster system. Yeah. Yeah. And to add, um, I think the part where, um, where the, the father, sorry, I'm terrible with names. Um, yeah. Uh, when the father broke his leg, the workers comp thing, that I'm thinking the whole time, it's like, Oh, he's screwed. (laughs) This would be (laughs) the end of him right there. Uh, he wouldn't be able to pay health insurance and there's so many other things, but, um, Well, he was in a union, maybe. I don't know. Uh, Yeah, I just I'll let Alex or or Joey. Well, even uh, here, he's kind of expecting to get some sort of workers comp and then ends up being that he doesn't uh, get any. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, even there, he is he is so far like in the margin or off the grid from society that he can't apply for that. Yeah. He does. He does manage to get it put in a cast, though, which is probably yeah. something that would destroy somebody here. Absolutely. God. Yeah, especially if you don't have any health insurance. Um, so, so uh, this this is going to warrant some discussion. I think the Takashi Shimura Award for uh, for the, the biggest standout performance in your eyes. Uh, Joey, why don't you go first for this? I I think, I mean, there's a lot of strong performances for sure, but it's Sakura Ando for me, hands down. I think she's just incredible. Um, it's, she's like, just, uh, she's so naturalistic and realistic without being like too subdued. Like she still acts like a regular 
person and has kind of big high moments and low moments. And like both of those, both like her happy moments and her um, tragic moments are like super like pull at my heart. Um, And I just I I think she's a really incredible actress. And I think amongst a bunch of great actors, uh, she stands out in this one for me. Definitely. V. Yeah, when I was re- I had that question in mind as I was rewatching it and like from scene to scene, I'd be like, well, maybe maybe it's Lily Frankie. Maybe it's Sakurando. Maybe it's Kieran Kiki. Maybe it's Kyrie Joe. And like just like whoever I saw most recently do a really good like moment was in my head. <laughs> but once it gets to the end of the film and we see Sakurando in those uh in those interrogation scenes and in the scene where she is uh, in, uh, in the prison talking to Osamu and Shota through the like glass. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, this is such a good performance. And like her little like sad smile as she is telling Shota, like how to find his actual parents Mm. and like this, this kind of one last kindness she is trying to do for him is just like, like Joey said, the, the subtlety of her and realism of her performance is just impeccable. So it's, I feel like it's gotta be her. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach, did you have a, a recipient for this it's, one? I, I mean, I think of, of everything in this movie, the strongest part was the acting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that says a lot, um, obviously. So it, tough i'd say to to even determine i agree like the whatever scene you know stood out i i think i'm gonna i would i would have to say the kids specifically i think stuck out yeah like i can't first of all i can't imagine doing anything like like that as in uh what was he 12 or five or five-year-old like that on its own you know but like they were like Almost all the scenes they were in, you know, I, you know, either, I don't know, they really hit hard and you really felt the, the desperate nature of, um, uh, jury's, uh, circumstances. Um, and you really felt the internal like turmoil in Shota's, uh, circumstances. I am not, I mean, I think, I think Sakura Ando, uh, I think her performance like got increasingly better as the movie went on. Like I think the later stuff in the movie, especially that scene that you that you mentioned, um, were extremely were amazing and probably some of the highlights of the movie. But um, I think like consistently through throughout the the um, the kids just like tugged on my heartstrings, which I think they're supposed to do there. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Great. Yeah. The, um, I had a similar experience to, um, to V's actually. Uh, I just kept writing names down the entire time. And, and by the end of the movie, I had a top three and, and that three of course was Lynn Hatsue and, and Nobio. And, and in the end, Nobio won in my book too. Cause boy, like I, that scene I, I was talking about earlier that we all were talking about earlier, but, but the fact that like when she was just rubbing her face, it, it's, it's the realest shit I've ever seen. Like she's so good. And I, I almost wanted to give this to Kieran Kiki just because, you know, who knows how many more movies <laughs> we're going to uh, watch of hers. I mean, we could always go back, you know, back catalog, but, but you know, she has since passed. So, um, 
I, I feel like she's been the recipient of the of the Shimura Award <laughs> already. So, uh, yeah, I think I, so. Yeah, I think I, I mean we. I'm almost positive we gave it to her for uh, for Sweet Bean. Yeah, um, and perhaps Kamikaze Girls. <laughs> uh, I have to go back and listen to those episodes, but uh, but yeah, Sakura Ando is just a star. Um, she's an incredible actress, and uh, I need to personally familiarize myself with more of her work because she is she she's a rock star in this movie. She's only a year older than me, which I, I don't know <laughs> what. <laughs> That's crazy. She's thirty four. Yeah. That means I'm I mean, I'm, like, I'm older than her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow. I mean, she's super good at like transformative performances. I've seen her in three movies, and all three characters have been completely different from one another, but like totally amazing. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. No, she was striking. I'm not like uh, not denying that at all. Oh, yeah. You know? No. And the kids are awesome, too. Like, especially yeah. I think maybe I'd say especially Shota. Uh, mm-hmm. He has a little bit more complex stuff to do, just given uh, what the, his role in the movie. Uh, oh, but yeah. That, yeah. That guy is that was great. Uh, they were both great for sure. Yeah. The looks that he gives, uh, you know, they they say what what, you know, what needs to be said. It's pretty great. Yeah. Um, I, I want I want to add one more thing, Alex. Sorry. Yeah, like, no, no, I no, think please. For, no, I think for its benefit and detriment, this show, this uh, show, this movie is perfect at showing and not telling like like you had mentioned. And I think all the actors just do such a good job at showing and not telling that you could you could see exactly what's going on in their brain without them saying it. Yeah. I think sometimes it also makes it really confusing as to what exactly is going on and what certain motivations are, but yeah, I th- I think uh, you know the the fact that like a 12 year old could do that is insane to me i mean wh- or that anyone could do that could just like you could see on their face the 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 what they're thinking in that moment and a mm-hmm. change in attitude or whatever it might be in that moment is is such a cool thing kid actors sure. continually impress me uh so i tend yeah. usually to give an edge towards them when it, when it comes to these kind of things um so uh before we wrap up uh are there any lingering thoughts that uh, we haven't talked about that you guys wanted to talk about? No, this is, this is a good, you know, I already said this, but this is a good one to revisit. Um, And that's a good thing about this podcast is to kind of force me to uh, watch some stuff that I had already watched before and and get um, maybe not a completely new perspective, but kind of an enhanced perspective on it. Uh, I do have a question that I wanted to post to y'all. Why so? And this is this is something that I was thinking about earlier. When Shota was found uh, by Nobio and, and Osamu, um, do you think that they took him because? Uh, why do you think they took him? Mm. Well, I I think the fact that they took uh, Lean in like kind of points to them wanting to be parents and having a sort of caregiving like streak to them um so i i think i kind of assume it was kind of like he broke the window and then saw the kid and maybe panicked and grabbed him or Mm -hmm. but maybe there was somewhat of a sort of justification in it like parents shouldn't have been leaving their kid in this (laughs) car or something you know um uh yeah i don't know 
Um, it, it notes that the car he was found in was outside a pachinko parlor. Mm. And I don't know how long or don't remember if it says how long he's been with the two of them. But if it was a very young child left in a car in a pachinko parlor, that suggests a certain kind of neglect from the parents that that it's clear that Osamu and Nobio both themselves had had issues coming up and were like, if this is the way this kid's parents are going to treat him, we can do better than that, Mm -hmm. which makes it kind of monumental that at the end of the movie, they admit that they really can't. Yeah. Yeah. And also the fact, you know, that devastating scene during the interrogation where she, you know, we find out that she isn't able to conceive, um, Mm -hmm. makes me think that they're probably, you know, the, the thing is, and one of the interesting parts about it is that even if their motivations were good in that saving someone from a bad situation, you're not really supposed to kidnap children. Yeah, it's still um, straight up kidnapping. Yep. Yeah, it's still. Yeah, it's it doesn't take a ransom to make a kidnap uh, to make a kidnapping, folks. Uh, but yeah, it's it's like, OK, maybe they were doing the wrong thing and, and had a good motivation. Um but it still is what it is. And it's, there's like a very twisted. That's, that's kind of why at the end when, when, you know, she says you could do better. It's so twisted because he's like, let they're letting him free. Um, when they, he really shouldn't have belonged to them in the first place. Mm-hmm. And we don't really know if it was quote unquote justified. If you grew up in an abusive place or in a neglectful place, but you know, they're, there are other avenues to deal with it, I guess that mm-hmm. uh, not, maybe not for them, which is what makes it like tragedy. But um, yeah, it's, it's, I, I think that leaving that kind of stuff ambiguous, I actually like, yeah, that you could interpret it all those different ways. Well said. All right. Well, um, that does it for this week's episode. Uh, Shoplifters. What do we have coming uh, next episode? Next episode, uh, we're going to have another guest, uh, David Bednar, Wycarps on Twitter. And um, at his request, we are going to be covering Zayram, a 1991 uh, special effects sci-fi movie that you may be familiar, if not with this, with Iria, the animation, an anime that was kind of floating around in the 90s uh, that, that is related to this. I think it's a prequel or something like that. Um, so yeah, um, I haven't actually seen this, but, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I know David's real gung ho and excited to be talking about it. So, uh, that's going to be a good episode. Yeah. Uh, the screenshots look really wild. Uh, well, uh, it's time for plugs, Zach, uh, you're our guest. So, um, what do you have to plug? How can people reach you? What are the things you work on? First off, when I come back, I demand lasers. Um, There were no lasers in this movie. I think that can happen. (laughs) There weren't even fireworks in this movie. um, (laughs) So you can follow me at Zach underscore Logan. Um, I host the One Piece podcast. That's at onepiecepodcast.com. Sister podcast with this one. Um, I'm so proud of all of you guys uh, for 50 plus episodes. So cool. Um, and seeing you guys coming out more often is also great. Um, and yeah, I, I don't, I probably have other stuff I'm forgetting, but thanks for having me on. <laughs> right. Um, 
Well, you can find me, of course, at Dude Exclamation on Twitter. Uh, all one word. Listen to the One Piece podcast. As Zach said, we have a Patreon account. Um, me and uh, uh, co-host Steve Yerko have just started recording a podcast called um, a Patreon uh, under the Patreon umbrella um, called Forced to Watch Four Kids, in which we watch every episode <laughs> of the Four Kids dub of One Piece. Exciting. Uh, and uh, yeah, we recorded the pilot and the first episode this weekend and um already this is a terrible idea (laughs) (laughs) how'd that go i'm real excited for this Uh, watching these is just uh, it's gonna get to the point where i'm gonna like it's gonna be yeah it's gonna be like that podcast the Mm. worst idea of all time where they watch uh grown-ups 2 every week for an entire year uh (laughs) and other films um what else can you do? Uh, you can go to twitch.tv slash superartfight. I occasionally do stuff um, with them every Saturday. And uh, go to Weeb Simpsons on, on Twitter. That's my shitpost account. Um, and uh, V, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me on Twitter at VriskaChat, V-R-I-S-K-A-C-H-A-T. And you can also find me in uh, Grant's Discord that I think most, if not all of us, are also in uh, if I just joined any of you listeners are members of rain dinners uh find me on there as v uh and yell at me about podcasts or anything else you want <laughs> great uh and joey cool um i'm at joey weiser on twitter and joey weiser comics on instagram you can check out my graphic novels merman uh and ghost hog as well as other comics at my website. You can read my new webcomic, Dinotown, at, uh, at Dinotown Comic, both on Instagram and Twitter, um, and archived on my website. And um, follow the podcast uh, at Toho Yaro on Twitter, uh, where you can tweet at us. You can also email us, um, Toho Yaro at gmail.com, or message us on Facebook. Um, and, uh, and like, rate, and review, uh, as always. That would help us out a whole lot. Um, we're always eager to hear uh, your thoughts about the show and recommendations for movies to cover and things like that. Um, and hey, we've been having lots of cool guests. If you have any guests in mind that you think would be cool for the show, uh, go ahead and uh, recommend them to us because uh, I think it's been uh, it's been fun to kind of have guests every few episodes or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, let's see you next episode for Zerum.